Hi, and welcome to another episode of Digital Noir Presents Humans Aren't Robots. I'm your host, Sam Davies, and we are live from Pause Fest 2019. Very fitting episode for the month we're in now, November, better known as Movember. Earlier in the year, I sat down with Marcus and Sam, um, two gentlemen working at the Movember Foundation, live from Pause Fest, and had a really great conversation about the organization that is Movember. And I think some of the things that you don't actually appreciate working for a charitable organization, especially one that runs sort of a such a an event with such a small window every year, how much work goes into that um, and just how big an organization it is. So we sat down and talked about some of the cultural implications that have um, happened over the years um, since 2003 when Movember was founded. Some of the amazing work that they're doing, they really get to wake up every day and save lives. It's not something that a lot of us get to say we do. Um, and some of the nuances around that too. So it was an extremely engaging conversation. I, I really enjoyed talking with both Sam and Marcus, who are both doing incredible work in their spheres. It is November right now, and the Digital Noir team are all participating in November. I am currently sitting with a very scraggly uh, stubble on my upper lip. Um, if you would love to get involved um i will put some information at the end of the podcast on how you can do that or if you'd love to donate then you can do the same thing so without further ado let's jump in live from the atrium at pause fest 2019 with marcus nance and sam gledhill from movember thanks so much for being on the podcast guys no you're welcome it's a pleasure to be here nice is this your first time at pause or yeah, first time pause, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the first time probably November to, to come down to pause as yeah, well, great. which is a great opportunity to tap into what a great event this is. It is really like I've always I've, I think I've, it's my fifth year now, but always come down because I, I love the like some events you go to. It's very much speakers up on stage, crowds here, everyone goes and does their own thing afterwards. But they they manage to kind of blend it a bit more here, and the, you know you can actually go and. I don't know. It feels like there's a bit more of a sort of community spirit around the whole yeah, thing. It's very intimate, isn't it? Like yeah. yeah Look, far. Again, same same as you having been to a number of conferences. I was actually just reflecting on after day one that this is this is the right place for us. It's the right place for November to tell its story because you know there's tech conferences or there's ways of working conferences that are sort of really focused. But what we um, bring, I guess, and what we we talked about in our presentation is really that sort of juxtaposition that that mashup of a great brand and a great story and a great purpose and some really modern ways of working and i think that is really what this pause fest is about right it's sort of it's got it's got a bit of everything yeah and it isn't too sort of niche and sometimes it's nice to go to a niche conference if you know whatever whatever your particular bent is but i think it's a good sort of interplay of what you stumble across things that you know are on the periphery of what you might do in your profession it's like mm. oh cool like I didn't know about that well there's not, there's not many conferences that will talk about NASA and no. talk about moustaches <laughs> and talk about mindfulness and talk about I went to a great one last night the uh, the psychology of advertising like you know tearing apart these ads and what what levers it's pulling in your mind so again just a great breadth I think it's uh, I, one of the joys of my role is I work in the cancer space. And so I'm heading off to uh, San Francisco next week to go to the uh, American Clinical Oncology Conference. Like sure. I imagine it's going to be a very different yeah. experience <laughs> at, a, at a clinical uh, medicine conference than it is compared to somewhere at PAUSE. It's been, a, it's been so refreshing. Yeah, nice. So I didn't actually get to see uh, your talk there. I'm quite interested. I, I think um, I sort of got an idea, I suppose, of what you were talking about. But yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of our listeners uh, would know about Movember and the Foundation. Maybe you can touch on that. But I'd be interested to sort of hear what, hear what you were delivering to the crowd. So we, um, we took the audience on a uh, photographic journey through the Movember history books. Oh, cool. Uh, so we, 
when we were asked to give the talk, uh, we thought it was a really interesting space to look at our culture and look at how we'd come to be the organisation we were, and then tried to trace it back to where it started. And as we went through the growth of Movember as an organisation, the parallels between an organisation growth and a, and a founder-led organisational growth and the growth of a human being were actually really quite stark. So we sort of highlighted in the talk how we went from being a little cute little baby that people throw around at parties and everyone thinks is really cute and <laughs> everyone's having a lot of fun and you're all, you know, everyone, everyone's excited by this new and interesting thing that's come into the party and then you start to grow up, you start to go to school, you start to have structure put around you, you start to think about what you want to be when you grow up but you really don't have any idea how you're going to get there and then as you get a little bit older into your teenage years, you go through a little bit of awkwardness as you're trying to find your place in the world and, and then you become a, a grown adult where you start to go, okay, well now I know what I am going to be when I grow up because I'm already growing up and uh, and here's how I'm going to get there and here's what I have to do so that kind of uh, growing up emotionally and linking that to the growth you know the growth and development of our culture I think was a really uh, was a really interesting story for us to tell and I guess you know, reflecting on the the cultural side of that what we really came to realize is that our founders set us up with a really strong sense of values um, and and sort of organizational ways of thinking and it was actually that core cultural DNA is the word that we use to, to describe it, was allowing us to key into our success, both in building a community of people who fundraise on our behalf, because Movember being a peer-to-peer fundraiser, I mean, we're, we're pioneers in that space and we need to mobilise a community to do that. And our understanding of their expectations and how we serve them um, was a really key part of our success in building a community. And then as we got a little bit older and started to play in the health research space, we saw that uh, not only did we bring money to that space, but we also brought a different way of thinking. And our sort of uh, the things that you'd associate, Sam, with Movember, you know, sort of the, the, the rebel, the disruptor, the innovator, um, was something that allowed us to, to tackle some of those health research problems differently. So, again, we could get in there and shake a bit of shit up and, and bring money to the table and bring this way of thinking to the table. So, we, you know, as to, to Sam's story of through our life stages, we realized that that cultural DNA that was there from our baby days, from our strong founder. Um, involvement really was the key to our success in building a community. It's our continued success in building a community and also the way we can have impact on top of our money uh, to really drive our cause as the leading global charity focused on improving uh, the men's health. And, and, and did you bring that back, I suppose, in terms of... Because um, I, I think you know, people talk a lot about culture and um, how, I suppose, from a founder-led business, how... The, how to scale that, you know, um, because that, that's quite a difficult thing to do at some, some stages. It's a great question. It's, it's one that we tackled uh, front on in our presentation today. We, we sort of unlocked a few of the secrets about how Movember's gone through that journey and um, we did a couple of different things. You know, they, our, we had a, a couple of founders involved early on and, and they spread themselves out. They took over uh, different markets as we expanded out to 20 countries that we operate in today. They, they took out to North America and, and Europe. Some of our founders went out there directly and the the other part that they uh, tackled or the way they faced into that challenge was they actually tried to bottle up some of our culture in a, in a document that uh, is called the scriptures. So it's actually uh, a bit of a how-to, um, how to think in Movember. And what we did in our, our talk today was sort of set that up as a, a document that was created 10 years ago and has fallen out of use in our onboarding. But as part of our recent sort of uh, growth phase, really, how do we engage with our past and understand our keys to success? We've dusted that document off and found that it's just amazing that, well, first of all, it's very lucky that the, those cultural DNA foundations that were built are still aligned to our success and still aligned to our aspirations um, and how they are still embedded in our organisation without being actively used. So literally, we got this document from the back of the cupboard 
Um, but what we found is so much of what's in that is still used as taglines, as concepts, and as the way we, t- we, we tackle uh, problems in our organisation. So we really came to this realisation that uh, those foundations, those cultural DNA roots um, are really something that is encoded deeply into your organisation then, symbols, systems and behaviours. Um, and they're hard to change. And as I said, we're lucky. We're as a pointing in the right direction. Other organisations have more toxic cultures that need to flip around. Um, but we're really now about, through our continued growth phase, re-energising, refreshing, co-authoring with our team to, uh, to take our history and drive it forward. I think it's interesting thinking about um, you know, a not-for-profit or a for-purpose company like, uh, like Movember. You, you don't think about it as a startup, right? Like, it is mm. a startup. You, you don't think about this kind of organization goes through all the same hurdles that, that, it, that any business does around, around marketing, around, around, around teams, around culture, around growth, around strategy. Um, and it's probably more difficult in, in some instances being in the market you are. Yeah, I think particularly when you put a lens on it that, uh, you know, we, by any measure, we're a successful organization. You know, yeah. We've been around for 15 years, which in the, in the health charity space is actually pretty remarkable yeah, in itself. Sure. You know, we've bought six million mustaches along the journey and wow. raised close to a billion dollars in funding. That's great. Um, so we're a successful organization. But to us, it's just that's not enough. Yeah. Like it, until we can sort of put our hands on our heart and say we have fundamentally shifted the face of men's health, we've fundamentally made a difference, until we can prove that impact, until we know that we're having a really impactful change in the world, then that's the bit that drives us. And so I think uh, it'd be easy to drop into metrics around how much money we've raised, yeah. how many programs we're running, how many staff we've got. That's sort of more traditional business metrics. Yeah. This, lay- this additional layer of kind of impact really is the bit that now drives us more than ever before. And, and so how do you, we were talking yesterday about measuring uh, wellness in the workplace or mm. in, in a nation, like how do we measure that? But how do you measure impact? If it's, if it's, and if it's not just that, the financial benefit, I mean, how, how do you measure a change in, you know, culture on a national level or a global yeah. level? It's, it's a really, really thorny question. And it's, yeah. one that we, it's one that we're tackling in, in multiple ways. Um, one, of the things that we, uh, one of the things we are doing is thinking about uh, how we, if we fund a program, how do we embed right at the front end an evaluation strategy that proves yeah. up to us that it's going to be a val- it's going to add value to the men that it's serving to seek? Now, if you wanted to do one of our one of our lofty goals is a, is to reduce uh, prostate cancer mortality by fifty percent by twenty thirty. Wow. Okay, so that's easy to do because there's registries of cancer data. You can say, yep, it's moving, and so that's a, that's a nice, easy, tangible. When you start to get into the mental health space, when you start to get yeah. into clinical quality and survivorship, there's no current database that tells you how healthy and or how mentally well an organization a a country is Mm. and if there is there's question marks around the 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 accuracy of the data and there's delays between you know when the events happen and when the data gets produced so we need to think of novel and unique ways to think about how we measure that impact Mm. and putting it in the minds of men and putting it in the hands of men and understanding what works for men is something that i think movember is uniquely positioned to be able to do so, I mean, you both come from quite different backgrounds, right? So you've got a, you've got a medical background um, and you've you come more from the tech space. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Uh, within Movember as an organization, I imagine it's made up of quite an eclectic bunch of, uh, bunch of humans. Yeah, it certainly makes for interest. <laughs> we have a, in our kitchen, we've got a, a, a slide deck that rolls through and it kind of introduces people if there's visitors in yeah, the office. Cool. And, uh, and you know, there's the little known facts about individuals. And <laughs> what's interesting is that you're right, the diversity of our backgrounds is one thing, but actually the diversity of interests, the diversity of, of you know, who we are, what life stage we're all in. We've got, you know, mums and dads and we've got um, singletons and we've got newly married couples and we've got, like, we've got all sorts of different folks mm. uh, in the in the melting pot that is our business but I don't know that that's particularly unique to us I think that's part of you know the, the new modern workforce yeah. I, I think this plays into Sam your question earlier about uh, about 
feeling like a startup. You know, we, we, we started as a brand-led concept. You know, yeah. it was marketeers, it was sales guys out there getting getting the community energized. As we've grown and, and as we've alluded to, we've brought more and more um, responsibilities and focuses into our organization. So yep. uh, Sam, absolutely, on the health program side, we, we run so many programs ourselves. On the tech side, uh, I joined Movember to build that capability to deliver digital outcomes um, and we've grown that from you know zero three years ago to you know a team of 35 now so we are looking more and more like a corporate to your point yeah um, you know, we, we look like an organization that you'd expect from the outside but we still feel like a startup and and we still think like a for-profit organization in that um, you know the money that we able to generate from our, our fantastic community support as much of that can go into the health uh, improvement agenda is, is what we're targeting. So our costs are controlled and we're, we're all about driving that you know, for-profit money into improving men's health. Yeah. There's probably not many corporates around the world where you know, if, you have to, if you have to book a, a flight, you kind of ask yourself, all right, so I've got, I've got the cheapest discount economy flair fare I can find. <laughs> Am I really happy that some, some schmo uh, in Adelaide is going to grow a moustache and don't ask his friends to donate money to it and I'm going to spend it? Like there's, there is a real yeah, um, high level of accountability. Really like we really frame everything in the how would a mobile, like can, can you in any expenditure, in anything that you want to do, can you explain this to a mobro and get his support or her support? That's the, that's the important part of, uh, of how we roll, I think. That's quite an interesting point. So we touched a couple of times yesterday on um, teams that have teams that seem to have really good, you know, company culture trust. I think is the best word internally. Generally, have the same thing with their customers, right? Because you, if, you, if you're not going to lie to your customers, you're not going to you're not going to mm. lie to your team, or if you're not going to sort of take your team on down a down a the garden path, you wouldn't do the same thing with your customers. And for you guys, even more so, because I mean, yeah, I think that's yeah, an interesting well, way of looking the, at it. We we are so critically dependent on the mm. trust of our community, uh, and we talked about that in the talk. Marcus, mm. you spent quite a bit of time talking about the power of our community and and what it means to us. But I, I think we. We understand our responsibility to our community, yeah. and and we, we have a tagline that we're the roadies uh, for our rock stars, and our community are the rock stars. And I, I yeah, think cool. that really sets up that tone for us, and and we're transparent, and we have direct relationships with our community, and and we are there to understand and listen and serve them. So I, I think it's not, you know, to, to, we, it's easy for us to put faces to names of our fundraisers, and and we have a direct connection with our community that really reminds us it's not some sort of, you know, magic money machine that's hanging off somewhere else it's a person that we know it's it's our family it's ourselves that are that are part of our community and uh you know that's that's what keeps us on the straight and narrow how much then does uh i suppose as you grow and as you in trying to build those teams internally how much does as a story had to change at all or, or as, as you grow or is, is that the roots there from the founders still strong and kind of echoing it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. We, we pulled out, we had this document, the scriptures we talked about, and uh, it was written in 2007 when we were starting to diversify and go overseas. And so the purpose of writing that document down was to share uh, in a written form what it was that made Movember Movember. And um, it, it's a long time past now, and we don't use that. We don't use the scriptures in inductions anymore. We don't onboard people with them anymore. However, when we pulled it out, we looked at it and went, oh my God, we've, we haven't used this for years, but... Everything in here is That's as relevant cool. today as it was the day it was written down in ink, uh, you know, 2007. So um, I think that, and we, look, we're really fortunate that, you know, we've been asked to do a talk on culture and it's all worked out rosy. I mean, it could have, been, <laughs> could have very easily been a different scenario. But, you know, we, we were really pleased that 
the things that we did and the, th- the way we've rolled for the last 10 years has really held us in good stead and, and remains as relevant now as, as it has ever been. And coupled strongly with uh, the Movember sense of ambition, right? So our problem just keeps getting bigger the more capable and able we are and as the more we get our community to support us in, in achieving those goals. So, you know, we're just striving for bigger and bigger things and, and that ambition, which has been part of Movember from day dot, is only growing. So, so as far as... Uh, you know, the shape of the organisation, the story of the organisation. It's, it's about just tackling the biggest things that we're able to tackle. What have been some of the digital transformations that you've come in and helped lead? Yeah, so um, two, two really um, strong focus areas for us has been doing it in ourselves. Uh, traditionally, we've worked with men's health partners okay. globally, um, and that causes a lot of fragmentation of quality and um, IP and, and, the, and technology costs. So bringing it in ourselves, um, the ability to deliver it ourselves really allows us to get economies of scale. It's sort of a, at the financial sense, but it also allows us to control that quality and leverage from our learnings from different projects into others. So we see that overall the quality of what our services that we're delivering are going up, um, which is really aligned to, to, to one of those reasons. Um, the other reason is that we believe we can do it better. So not just save money and learn lessons, but by approaching things with all the words that you hear thrown around at, at, at Pause Fest. You know, our human-centered design has been an area that we have had great success in, and, and particularly the area that Sam has focused in in testicular cancer, where we took a problem, historically, I guess, to, to spend a couple of minutes talking about this, historically we've had problems thrown at us from the clinical community. They've said, right, we think this is going to solve this problem. Um, what we did in, in, a, in a recent project in one of our testicular cancer uh, focus areas is we took that problem and we said, okay, great, great starting point. Let's throw our human-centered design process at it and let's go and talk to men who've gone through the testicular cancer journey and really understand where the touch points that uh, we can help them with. And through that process, which we invested a good bit of time and talked to a, a, a lot of blokes on, we realized that that clinical problem was in the area but wasn't actually the, the, the sweet spot for us to deliver our services. So we ended up, um, after that research and, and, and human-centered design phase, we've delivered a digital solution on top of that, which is really starting to resonate. And I, I don't know, Sam, if you want to talk yeah. a little bit more about what the solution is. So it's an interesting project. It's one, I, it's, it's one of the things that I'm most proud of in terms of my achievements at, at Movember was being the, given the, the opportunity to lead this project. And so uh, Marcus is right. We asked a whole bunch of blokes what the problem was. And we'd assumed that this problem we were trying to fix was when men walked into the doctor's surgery and were diagnosed with cancer. They heard the word cancer and then that was it. And so we were assuming there was this white noise problem we had to fix. And so we wanted to better support men through that early diagnosis. But in actual fact, when we asked these men, what we discovered was they said to us, no, 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 it's, that's okay. Like it's hard. It's, it's hard and it's horrible. But usually I'm there with my wife or my girlfriend or my mom or my brother or whatever and there's usually someone in there with them what's really hard is that they then within a very short period of time go on and have a testicle removed and then they get sent home to sit on the couch for two weeks and wait before they get the pathology results they said then you've got two weeks of lying on the couch where you've got nothing but Oprah and Dr Phil and Google to keep you company and neither of those three are recognised testicular (laughs) cancer experts let me tell you and Lance Armstrong's book and Lance Armstrong's book Um, so then we realised very quickly that that's the problem we need to solve. We need to get support to these men while they're sitting on the couch at home. So we built a mobile, uh, a mobile optimised uh, site that people can go to, gets all the information they need. Importantly, we tested the content with them, so it's, it's being delivered to them in a language they understand. It's being delivered to them in a way that resonates with them. It's not some dried up old uh, cancer organisation telling you all of the facts and stats in one big text blurb it's not a reddit or a facebook uh, group that's got you know all sorts of people trying to 
influence you around their particular experience. It's it's medically verified, it's accurate information, but it's in a way that kind of engages with men. There's an opportunity for them if they're going through the journey to connect up with someone who's been through the journey before. So get on the phone and ring someone who had the same cancer five years down the track and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this particular element of my treatment. What do you think? And he says, oh, here's how I went through it. Here's what I did. And, and give get a bit of peer support. And finally, the last bit is about uh, connecting in for the general, you know, those general questions that you get that you forget to ask your oncologist when you're face to face with them, and you go home, you're like, "Oh, geez, I wish I'd asked him about fertility." So you can look it up, and there'll be some, you know, validated medical responses as well as experiences from men to say, "These are the questions I asked. This was my experience. This is how I managed my way through that journey." So if I come back to your question, Sam, I mean, it's it's that sort of process, it's that sort of skill set that we're developing at Movember that they we're then throwing at some of the hairiest problems to facing men's health. You know, like mental health is an area that we're really um, applying this process to and, okay. and that, that's hard that's <laughs> really tough stuff but we believe that we us building this skill set and experience is uh, is the best way to tackle it taking a different approach to that so if, if you had this information from uh, the clinicians or, or you know you have a brief essentially and say well and we need to s- squeeze a digital product in here somewhere w- w- would it have ended up very differently do you think without taking yeah, that I, more exploratory approach I think if we'd taken the direct writing instructions from the clinical community yeah. we'd have built a here's how to die, here's how to deal with the word cancer app that, yeah. and, and there are hundreds of those already so it would have been sitting in a crowded marketplace serving a, a need that really wasn't you know really wasn't true to men and, and look we've had some really really great feedback from this app I don't want to kind of make this about the Sam's doing testicular cancer <laughs> podcast you but, love talking about balls um, <laughs> <laughs> we've had some really great feedback from men I'm I mean, I, got, I, I get an email probably oh, once or twice a week that just brings a tear to my eye when it says, you know, I, I thank you for putting this app in the workplace, in the, in the, in the, um, in the space. It's, yeah, it has quite literally saved my life. I now feel so much more confident. I now know what I'm doing. And, you know, it's just been, the feedback's been phenomenal. So we're except, exceptionally proud that we've had the opportunity to steward that process and, and do it all ourselves. We, we, see, we see ourselves as lucky, Sam, really. Uh, just reflecting as you were talking there, Sam, uh, we just finished our chat in the auditorium over there and uh, a young girl came up to me and from our community and really reflected um, her journey and some of her personal experiences that she's gone through and how we're playing a role in not only um, solving the problem but also giving her, as someone who's gone through a lived experience, uh, an organisation to get involved in, and you know, she's a member. She's a my sister. She's part of our community. She's she's out there spreading our health promotion word. She's understanding what we offer, um, and we're you know she's gone through a tough time in her life, and we're playing a role in her life uh, to help her personally. And then she sees the benefit of her involvement, how it can help others. And and you know back to sort of we're lucky and and to have that purpose. And um, it's a great reminder in occasions like this when people come up to you and, and share that story. It, it's it's generous of them and. Um, and we get a great motivation um, to continue to focus on serving our community and solving some of these hairy problems. It's exciting for you guys, I think, to be able to have that drive, I suppose, and that passion and, and know where you're going towards, but then hopefully let that kind of, you know, kick you on further to, yeah, to, to try new things out and to, and, you know, to take different approaches to solve, you know, old problems. Yeah, it's a very good motivator when you've got a uh, yeah. 11 p.m. teleconference with the UK uh, <laughs> to deal with. It certainly makes it a lot easier to roll out of bed in the mornings and, and trot into bed late at night. But, but I guess to circle it back, you know, we believe that our organisation has that way of thinking, this cultural DNA that we've been talking about today that, that has set us up to do exactly what you, you referenced there, Sam. So we, you know, we are the innovators, we are the disruptors, we get out there and shake shit up and, and we back ourselves to make a difference. And it, it's quite interesting, I think, you, you saying taking that out into industries that you know, aren't, 
haven't been disrupted or that aren't used to that kind of attitude, maybe a more scholarly attitude or whatever it might be, just literally saying, well, you know, that, that, change, in, that change in focus can actually radically uh, differ the outcomes. We've had great success, and Sam, you're, you're better to talk about it than I with that global action plan. I, mean, mm. I think that's a great example of, of doing things differently. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I started uh, working on in the business way back in 2012. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a plan to, originally in prostate cancer, it very quickly spread into testicular cancer, but uh, the program is about bringing together researchers from around the world. Because for a long time, research was done on Australian men by Australian researchers using Australian dollars and on Canadian men using Canadian dollars and so on. And around the world, we had these international silos of research. And uh, in 2012, we were one of the very early adopters of this globalisation of of, uh, research. And so we created a program called GAP, the Global Action Plan. And a GAP program wouldn't run unless it had multiple stakeholders from multiple countries around the world. And the interesting thing too is we built it from the bottom up. So if you're, for those that aren't in in the medical research world, traditional funding models are that you say, here's my project, you go to a funding agency and say, I need $10 million to do this particular project and they say yes or no. And that's kind of how it how it works. Um, what we did is I said, actually, that's that that's not going to work. That's not that's not right. Here we go. Here's a project. We're going to give five million dollars to a particular project, and we're going to collect a team of people around the world who've got the capability and the interest in participating in a group effort. And we'll say, here's the five million dollar pot. Let's get together. Let's design a project that answers this really really critical question. Um, the one that I came on to to talk about so that I've got the most experience with was about how do we in men who've got advanced prostate cancer is there a way that we can take better imaging of those men and then falling out of that has been a whole bunch of really really cool projects that were funded by people who'd never spoken before but were doing almost the exact same thing in two different countries it's ridiculous isn't it I mean, it sounds so obvious and, and, it, and it's such a, a theme of, of modern ways of working is this collaboration but in this space it, it wasn't happening so again that's a great example of us bringing this to the table and shaking shit up and getting people talking and it's so simple um, but so impactful. Funnily yeah. enough, we, we've done some work with a, an engineer locally in, in South Australia, and he's so he, he works with the university. But he's saying the same thing happens in the engineering world. There's all these cool, you know, it might be a small thing. There's a roundabout in Adelaide that had historically been uh, really dangerous and lots of accidents there, and they they came up with this system to you know try and deal with it. He's like, there's there's lots of other places in the world that would have that same problem, but they, mm. there's no visibility on on that solution. Yeah, yeah. So how yeah. do you actually get that solution out? So that you know, grads or you know, young engineers can say, okay, well, this has been done before. Yeah, and we do kind of operate in silos, even though we have this you know interconnectivity, this web. We're still actually operating in silos. And even even over the course of the last uh, six or seven years that I've been in the organisation, the capacity to globalise has become so much stronger. Technology has yeah. now made us almost a universal globe. Like there is very little reason why you can't get on the phone or on an email with someone. I mean, time zones are the only problem we've got now. Everything else is yeah. solvable. <laughs> So um, what are you excited about for the the future of Movember, but just uh, in general as well in in your industries? So I I think our biggest biggest challenge now is to make the transition from a successful organisation to a truly significant organisation. So we don't rest until we know that the things we're doing are having a significant impact on on the health of men around the world. Um, so there's still a long way to go. So, you know, a billion dollars is a lot of money, but it's a drop in the ocean compared to what we need to address that men's health crisis. Um, so, you know, we're, until we start to see men taking their lives a lot less frequently than they do, until the, you know, the proportion of men who die by suicide matches or even gets close to that of, uh, of how many women take their lives by suicide, it's just it's, it's crazy how 
big a problem this is for the world. Uh, men are still dying from prostate cancer, but when faced with good, adequate and, and, and uh, effective treatments, that doesn't need to be the case. Uh, so testicular cancer is a very survivable disease, but it leaves you, the treatment can leave you with some pretty um, horrendous side effects for, for a very long um, course of your life. So until we can get to a point where we can say, okay, let's think about how those treatments work. There's still so much for us to do in all of our cause areas uh, that, you know, we won't ever rest, I don't think. <laughs> so we've still got a very strong burning platform. We've still got a very strong purpose. And I think the, the challenge for us as an organisation who has been so innovative over the time in, in the way that we fundraise and the way that we've tackled some of the, the health research work is to is to stay at the forefront of that innovation. And, and you know, as you know, stating the obvious, the world is, is moving faster and faster. So how do we... Uh, we've got enough scale, we've got enough skill, we've got enough support uh, that we need to point in the right direction to really keep at the forefront um, to keep doing things uh, in a way that make a difference and get noticed and can change the world so I think as far as a challenge you know certainly through my eyes and, and Sam has colored in our, our, our purpose eyes from a digital perspective it's really how do we learn from organizations around us and how do we drive that innovation in the right direction so we continue to to light those fires like November has in the past Oh, really glad we got a gentleman like yourself working on these kind of problems. And it's been great seeing November grow and can't wait to see what happens in the future. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been a delight. No, no worries. Cheers, guys. This is probably your only podcast today talking about testicles as well, Sam. So we'll we'll chalk that one up. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Maybe we can work it in somewhere else. (laughs) That can be my challenge now. (laughs) Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Sam here again. Thank you so much for your time, Marcus and Sam. I really enjoyed that conversation. I'd actually love to pick it up and do it again, um, maybe at PauseFest in, in 2020. Thanks to PauseFest, as always, for having us down. Tickets for PauseFest 2020 are selling fast. There is a new venue again, so we are now live from the Melbourne Convention Centre. Um, so if you want more information about PauseFest, you can just head to pausefest.com.au where you'll find all the information and some of the speakers that have been released 5th to the 7th of February 2020. If you want any more information about Movember, you can find them across all social media and Google. If you would love to donate to our current team, the Buttershave crew, Digital Noir, then I'll, I'll chuck some links in the show notes as well. A really incredible foundation. Uh, what they're doing is promoting men's health worldwide and some of the statistics around things like um, male suicide, and testicular cancer and prostate cancer, both of of which can be treated um, relatively easily considering the seriousness of the diseases, is is startling. So every dollar that gets uh, put into the kitty is going to a great place. So thanks again, and uh, we will see you in a couple of weeks' time. Cheers, everybody.